Amen. Lord, we do. We thank you. We praise you. We worship and honor your name. You are a great and an awesome God. You're the only true and living God. Apart from you, there is no other. And Lord, we thank you for your word that you've given it to us. You've written down the truth. You've given us a roadmap for life, that we might have life more abundant, and Lord, that then we might have eternal life afterwards. So Lord, I just pray as we go to your word, Lord, be our teacher. We're desperate for you, Lord. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. Go ahead and grab a seat. And before we get started, we're going to do one of my favorite things, which is have a baby dedication. So if Hank and Donna Lynn will come on up here with little Serena. I'll tell a little story on Hank and Donna Lynn while they're coming. Hank was my last ever Yellow Page customer. It was my last day at work. He came in. I was getting ready to leave. God wasn't done with me there yet. And uh, he held on to my card for a couple of years and showed up at church. And now he's married to his beautiful wife, Donna Lynn, and their beautiful daughter, Serena. So it's a blessing to see what God's done in their family and in their home. And what a privilege. There's a sweet little girl. And let me see if she'll let me take her. Oh, she will. (sighs) Hi, cutie. Say hi, everybody. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) They're all looking at you. (laughs) Because you're so cute. Well, let's pray. Let's pray for Serena. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we just thank you and praise you, Lord. What a blessing, what a gift it is from you, this precious little girl you've given to Hank and Donna Lynn. Lord, before the foundation of the world, it was your plan, Lord, that they would be married and this would be their daughter. Father, we dedicate her little life to you. May she grow up to love and serve and honor you. May she come to know you at a very young age. May you pour out your spirit upon her. Father, I pray for Hank. You'd help him to be the man of God in his home. Lord, the spiritual leader. The one who gives direction, Father. The one who would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray that Serena would be able to look at her dad and see the example of a godly man. The kind of man, if you tarry, she would want to marry one day. Father, we lift up Donna Lynn to you as well. pray she'd be a Proverbs 31 woman. A woman whose worth is far above rubies. A woman who just raises her child to love and serve and honor you, who's a perfect helpmate to her husband. And Father, I just thank you again for this precious miracle, this precious little girl that you've entrusted to Hank and Donald Lynn. She belongs to you, Lord. We dedicate her life to you. Be with the, the Allen family. May your hand be upon them. May you bless them. May you watch over them. May you protect them. May you guide their every step. Lord, may we be there to encourage and strengthen them along the way. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, I'm going to have a hard time this morning, so pray for me. Um, We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Last night was one of the toughest, most heartbreaking nights in the 18 years I've been a pastor. So often when you're in ministry, uh, it's just joyous beyond description. You know, you get to lead people to the Lord. You teach the Word, pray with people, comfort those in the midst of difficulty. You get to do baby dedications like this morning, baptisms, weddings, serving others. But the truth is, in ministry, it's not all baptisms and baby dedications and weddings. But you know what? We must also deal with the consequences of a falling world. And because of that, part of ministry is dealing with painful and terminal illnesses and and funerals and lives and marriages that are falling apart and watching people fall away from the Lord. And in the last 18 years, some of the toughest things I've had to deal with as a pastor, and I apologize for being personal this morning, and I hope you'll forgive me, uh, some years ago, we, I had a three-year-old girl who was in my wife and I's two- and three-year-old class who was killed in an accident right in her own driveway. And it was devastating. At the same time, there was a peace because we knew that she was with the Lord. My old youth group leader in San Jose, youth worship leader, just a phenomenal guy, 
guy I grew to love a great deal. Ended up getting a brain tumor and going to be with the Lord when he was a newlywed. We had a Marine who was fellowshipping with us as well as another church. And he had, was newly married, had a brand new baby, and was killed while serving in Iraq. You know, and as hard as each one of those things were, and they are very difficult, because we are finite men, and it's hard for us to fully grasp infinite God. We can come to a place of having the peace that surpasses all understanding, not the peace that comes from understanding. We don't fully understand, but we have peace anyway, because we know who's in control, and we know that God's faithful. And, you know, we weep for ourselves because we will miss them, but we need not weep for them because we know that they have graduated to a much greater place. Christians do indeed die well. And while I absolutely rest in the faithfulness and sovereignty of God, the events of last night, has really knocked the wind out of me and, and stirred me to the depths of my soul. Late last night, while studying Hebrews chapter 2, for this morning's message, I got a, a phone call from the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Department. Getting a phone call around midnight is never good. When you're a pastor, you have an idea what, you, what to expect. The officer confirmed who I was, found out I was indeed the pastor of this church, and then told me that a young woman in our church had asked him to call me, and she had come home from work and found her husband had committed suicide. The Bible says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And I want to say this right up front. I do not believe that suicide is the unpardonable sin. But I do believe you have to be a great ways away from the Lord to commit such an act. So I went to her house last night, spent about four hours comforting this young widow. I just spoken to this man the day before. We had just set up a time for him to come in and have counseling with he and his wife. We played together in a softball game on Monday night for the church. I thought, how could this be? You know, an accident, we just say, well, it's the sovereignty of God. He's always right on time. Uh, but I just felt like I had been shot myself. And when I got to their home, I found her weeping beyond consoling. You know, as a pastor, I've seen mourning to this depths only in these circumstances. And it's even described in the Bible. And I mainly just sat there. There's not much you can say, but give someone a shoulder to cry on and encourage them and let them know they're not alone, that God is faithful. But after talking to her for a while, I realized that all of her family is in the Ukraine. And his family, he didn't have any, but that was it. His, both his parents were dead. Both his, he didn't have any brothers or sisters. And so I came to the quick realization that we are their family. We and we alone are their family. And my heart just absolutely broke. I stayed with her as she was questioned by the detectives and by everybody else who was there. And then after she left, I went in as they carried his now lifeless body away. And I saw the aftermath of what happens when you put a gun to your head. Now, all that being said, our God is in control and he's faithful. But I'll tell you, it tears the heart of your pastor out to think that any one of you would be at that point. You know what? We are the body of Christ, and we are to be ministering one to another. And my exhortation this morning as we go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is to look at the body of Christ and to see what you and I are to be about. Guys, that Satan wants to isolate us. Satan wants to... Drive us away from each other. Satan wants to distract you. Satan wants to keep you from using the gifts he's given you to minister one to another. While I know that ultimately this man was responsible for his own actions, when I got home, it got a little tougher. 
because there was a message on my answering machine that he had tried to call me right before he killed himself. His message was, Pastor Dave, I'm hurting. I'm desperate. Please call me. I don't blame myself, but it hurts nonetheless. The enemy may have won this battle, but he's not going to win the war. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Our God is a great and awesome God. And I pray if any of you are ever at that point, understand it is the enemy who is taking you there. He is a liar. He wants to destroy you. The Lord loves you. He wants to give you life and life more abundant. Amen? Amen. And so, I want to encourage each of us to step out of our comfort zones, to use the gifts that God's given us, to make sure no one falls through the cracks. You know, when people are new here, it's hard for them to reach out. And so instead of us running to the same group of people every week, let's find someone who's new and love on them in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's be the body of Christ. Amen? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to pick up in verse 12. We're going to look at the gifts that are within the body of Christ and how the, a healthy body should function. How a healthy body should function. Each of us is to be a part of the body. Individual members, uniquely gifted. And for the body to function, each member must function properly. If one doesn't function, all suffer. And if one is destroyed, we all hurt. Now, you've heard me say many times, if I get hit by a bus, don't, work, don't cry for me, I'll be in heaven. Amen? But you know what? We do weep but we, and we do grieve, but we do not grieve as those without hope. Our grief is, is limited to the fact that we will miss those people, but we need to understand that our God is in control. And for Christians to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We close our eyes on earth and we open them up in heaven. There is no greater promise than that. As we will see in Hebrews chapter 2 next week, that we have escaped judgment because of God's grace. We didn't earn it, we've escaped it. So let me talk to you about the church and then we'll get into the verses here. I believe there's a, a big picture that the Lord wants us to focus on and that's the church itself. Now, some of you might ask, why do we come to church? What's the point? Is it important that I be here? Can't I just believe in God and stay home and watch football? Isn't it just about my own personal relationship with God? Can I worship out while I'm surfing? As long as I live a good life and am respectable to others, why do I need to go and, and belong to some local church? I believe in God, but I don't go to church because it's all filled with hypocrites. Right? I used to go to church, but a person I used to look up to fell or hurt me. So what's the point in going now? You know, each of these questions or statements reveals... A complete misunderstanding of what the church is all about and how it is to function. The church, let me tell you what the church, why you should not come to church. And this is why people often do. Don't come to church out of religious duty. Don't do God any favors that way. You're not scoring brownie points with God to show up at church on Sunday. Oh, I didn't know that. Now I can leave. Yeah, yeah well, you can if that's why you came. Don't do it to please your family or friends, to keep your wife off your back in an attempt to alleviate guilt in hopes of scoring some brownie points with God, as I said. Oh, because I think it'll be good for my kids uh, to make some new friends, to get plugged into a new community. You know, this morning, as we look at these gifts, we're going to see the big picture of what the church is really about. What is the body of Christ? How does it function? What does it mean to be a part of the body? And guys, I want to say this. Many of us are on cruise control in our Christianity, and it's time for us to wake up and stand up for Jesus Christ. It's time for us not to be satisfied anymore with just cruising along with the Lord, but making a stand, a firm stand for Him. It's time to define what true fellowship is, how important true biblical fellowship really is in our own growth. So let me tell you what the church is, and then we'll look at the body of Christ itself. 
The church is not a building. It is not an organization. It is not a charity. It is not a venue for advancing political causes. It's not even the source of salvation. So what is it? The word church, ecclesia, means called out one. So the church is not built a building, it's people. It's not where we go, it's who we are. And it's not an organization, it's an organism. So the church is you, the people in this room. And we are the body of Christ. And the church is the term used to describe the group of all true born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Christ is the head of the church. No man, no pastor, no headquarters. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Matthew 16, 18 says, And upon this rock I will build my church. This rock being Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says, The church is the pillar in the ground of truth. It's a reflection of Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So we don't attend church as much as we become part of it. We don't go to church, we are the church. Acts 2.47 says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. How are we saved from our sins? Not from our good works and not from going to church, but by the blood of Jesus Christ who washes away our sins and makes us new creations in Him and makes us a part of His bride, the church. That's how we're saved. There's no other way you're going to be saved. And what you've been saved from, we need to be reminded of constantly because we've been saved from eternal judgment and separation from Almighty God that we deserve. Romans 10.9 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. When you're saved, when you're born again, you are saved from your sin. You're made a part of the church. You're set apart unto the Lord. And He seals us with His Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit come spiritual gifts. And that's what we're about to talk about. So when you're born again and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, gifts come with it. It's a part of the program. When you say, I don't have any gifts, then you're not saved. Amen? Because if you're saved, God has gifted you. He didn't save you to be a big, fat sheep or a pew potato. Amen? He saved you to use you for His glory. In Acts 2.42, it tells us what the church is supposed to be doing. These four things. Continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which is the Word of God. In fellowship. Guys, we need that. Fellowship. Gathering yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches. Guys, we need to be spending more and more time with each other, not less and less. If I hear pull it back or dial it down one more time, I'm going to be sick. Because I don't ever see the apostles do that. Amen? Amen. I don't see anybody retiring or dialing it down or pulling it back or being less involved. Where in the world do you see that in the Bible? God wants us to be more involved in His kingdom, more sold out for Him, more vocal for our faith. Guys, our life is but a vapor. We have only so much time to serve Him. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel of our Savior. The world is, and we need not be. Breaking of bread, which is communion and agape feast and prayer. And then we are to equip the saints to fulfill the work of the ministry. So how do we do that? By the feeding of the word, by fellowship, by communion and prayer. So guys, we are the church. We are the called out ones. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And now let's take a look at how we're to take the gifts He's given us and use them for His glory. And if you don't use your gift in this church, we are lacking. It should not be 5 or 10 or 20% of the people doing the ministry and 80% of the people just showing up. We all are called to do the work of the ministry. So beginning in verse 12, the body of Christ, how a healthy body should function, differing gifts, one in Christ. Look at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. In Corinth, they were divided. And they were divided in their little factions. And you know what? Didn't that sound like the church today? People arguing over things that just don't matter. You baptize forward, backward, whose name do you baptize in? What date? I mean, you know, all these things we can divide over. But here's the truth. All believers are a part of one church. 
Though we may meet in different buildings and in different places, we're one church. We should be just as excited to hear that God is doing great things at the church down the street as we would be if it was happening here. Because it's all one church. It doesn't matter which lifeboat they get into as long as they get to shore. Amen? It doesn't have to be the Calvary Chapel lifeboat. lifeboat. It can be the Twin Lakes or the Santa Cruz Bible or Christian Life Center or whatever. Where the Word of God is being taught, we're like-minded, we're co-laborers in the kingdom of God. And we need to be heading in the same direction. What he says is they're all one. They're many members, but they're one. You know what? Your body, the perfect example. You have many members, as we're going to see in the coming verses, but it's one body. And you know what? You find out how important even the smallest part of your body is when it gets hurt. You don't think about your pinky toe until you break it or stub it. You don't think about your individual teeth until you need a root canal and it's all you think about. And the same is true in the body of Christ. Every single part is important and we need not let one people one part of the body lie hurting and leave it without paying attention. Without reaching out, without putting some salve on the wound, without coming alongside. We all need each other. Guys, Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz is not my church, it's his church, and it's we are the church. Amen? Amen. People say to me often, Pastor Dave, I love your church. I'm like, well, good, that's because I belong to the only one there is. We're all in it, amen? And the point is, we're all a part of the body of Christ. And though there be many members, there is only one body. And we're all in Jesus Christ. That's what makes us a part of that body. Verse 13. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether And it says there, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, have all been made to drink into one Spirit. You know what we have in common as Christians? The Holy Spirit. More than our nationalities, backgrounds, finances, whatever. All that stuff can be different. It's all irrelevant. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. What we have in common is the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And our desire ought to be not just to have the Holy Spirit in us, but upon us and flowing out of us on the world around us. Amen? We should not be satisfied with the get out of hell free card. We should not be satisfied, yeah, I'm going to heaven. But you know what? That's wonderful. But that's not the end. We should desire even more. We have, one, by one Spirit, we've all been baptized into one body. We all have the Holy Spirit in us. And again, though diverse in background. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen saying this is baptized by the Spirit into the body that speaks of salvation. In Acts chapter 1, baptized by Christ with the Spirit speaks of Holy Spirit power. Verse 14 to 20, let's read. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. It is there, therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. You know, God has placed you right where He wants you, in the body. And one of the things the enemy wants you to do to make you ineffective in the place that God has placed you is to envy somebody who's in some other place. You know, if I can't be Billy Graham, then I'm just not going to be. That's it. If I can't be, right? And here's the truth. The truth is we all need each other. The Holy Spirit dwells in all of us. He's gifted all of us. I can't tell you how many times people in this room minister to me. Most often, and none of you have a clue, they're doing it. I have what I call Team Barnabas. There's a group of people here who send me encouraging emails and notes on a regular basis and they have no idea how much that ministers to me. And they do it and nobody else, I, probably nobody else knows they do it. And the point is that that's the way it should be with all of us with each other. 
We've all been gifted by God. We've all been called by God. And the point is that we now need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit to do exactly what He's called us to do. Quit envying someone else's gift. I came to the very clear realization I will never play the guitar or sing like Omar. It's just not going to (laughs) happen. Not going to happen. And my hair will probably never be that long. I don't have that much hair, right? But here's the point. Instead of envying that gift, be blessed by it. Instead of envying something that someone else has, be blessed and encouraged by it. Amen? And I want you to know every gift in the eyes of God is equal. If you can't be the evangelist, the missionary, the pastor, the worship leader, oh, then I'm not making a difference. That's just not true. Who says? God does. You know, sometimes we want to have the gift that everybody sees. But I truly believe, and we'll see this as we continue on in the text, I believe the ones that will be most rewarded in heaven are the ones nobody sees. No member of the body should compare or contrast itself with anybody else. Any gift God has given you is needed by the body. And when you are out of fellowship or you're not using your gift, this entire body suffers. Just as the eye needs the body to survive, so too the body needs the eye to function. I've yet to see an eye rolling down the street all by itself. <laughs> Never seen that happen. Ear, tongue. I've seen tongues in a, you know, at the butcher before, but, right? But, you know, cow tongue. Right? But here's the point. The point is, for us to function, we all need to be using our gifts. We ought to be knocking each other down. Looking again, again, and I, I want to say this too. Let me tell you what one of your gifts all of you have is. Let me tell you a gift that you're all called to do. You're all called to share your faith. Amen. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, unless you don't have that gift. That's not what the verse says. We're all called, amen? amen? Guys, we've been given the antidote to the death serum, right? We've been given the injection of eternal life. We have it. The world doesn't. Why would we hide it? Let's let the whole world know the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ. Just again, as the eye needs the body to survive, so the body needs the eye to function. When we try to do something we're not called to do, we leave what we were called to do undone. Or when we do nothing, we become the dead sea. Why is the Dead Sea dead? All inlet, no outlet. If you go to Israel with us, all inlet, no outlet. Everything in it is dead. The same is true for us. If we're just inlet, 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 and no outlet, we'll really be living a dead Christian walk, and the whole body will suffer. So in our church, in this local body here, it's just as high a calling to set up chairs as it is to teach the Bible. Now again, The fruits of those things may be different, but if nobody sets up chairs, we're all sitting on the floor and people won't come back next week, right? If nobody hands out the Bibles, you'll all be wondering if I'm teaching the truth or not. You know, all of the things that we're called to do, we all need to be obedient, and every one of them has a function within the church. And again, you find out how important something is when it's broken. You break your finger, everybody notices. When the setup crew doesn't show up uh, at a quarter till. There's people scrambling, right? Because it's broken. And the same is true for any other ministry. So guys, why in the world? Instead of looking for what ministry someone else has, let's be faithful to the one we have. Now you might sit there and say, well, Pastor Dave, I don't know what my ministry is. I don't know what my gifting is. Let me tell you how to start. A burden is a spawning ground of a calling. God will often stir up your heart and give you a passion for the very thing He's calling you to do so that it will be a get-to and not a have-to. It will be a joy and not a drudgery. Please, do God and His people a favor and don't do anything that anybody else is uh, propping you up to do. Don't do it. I want our children to have only Sunday school teachers who are praying for those kids and excited to be there and looking forward to spending Sunday and sharing with them the love of God. Our kids deserve that, don't they? That's what they should have. And if you're in there because I'm on the list and I got... No, don't stop right now. Just stop. And the same is true for every single ministry in the body of Christ. We ought to be doing it out of love for God. 
When we stand before God, He's not going to reward us based on the gift He's given us. He's going to reward us based on how faithful we've been with the gift He's given us. The parable of the talents. Remember, one of the guys hit it, you know, put it in the sand, and when the master came back, he took it back out of the sand and go, here you go. Sent him off to prison. The point is that what we God has given us, He's given us to use that it might be multiplied. And I want to encourage you. But I just don't have the person. you got a personality to pray. Amen? We all should be praying. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. We need to be praying more. You know what I find is incredible? How awesome our God is and how He, by His Holy Spirit, will bring divine appointments as we pray. I'm amazed. When I pray in the morning, Lord, bring a divine appointment today that every time I do, I meet somebody I get to share my faith with. But I also find that when I pray, I'm looking for someone to share my faith with. Amen? As opposed to just living my life And if someone runs me over and asks me if I'm a Christian, I might respond, right? God has designed the body as it pleased Him. And so, you should take neither pride nor shame in whatever your gift is. Whatever the gift God's given you, you'll be accountable for that gift. And you shouldn't be proud of it because you have nothing to do with it. Amen? Amen? Nothing. We're simply tools in the hands of our Master. And in the design, we see the great wisdom of the designer as everybody has something, but nobody has everything. And I love this. Not everybody has every gift. Because if they did, they wouldn't need the church. That's why none of us have every gift. And that's why we all need to be in fellowship and using our gifts, ministering to each other. One of the gifts I would love to see being used here more is the gift of hospitality. Just the simple gift of inviting people over to your house, reaching out to people in love, making that new person feel welcomed and loved. It's so important. Because you know what? Christianity is often more caught than taught. And they're going to see it lived out in your life even more than they're going to hear it taught from the pulpit. And so the greatest sermon you can ever preach is just to live sold out for Jesus everywhere you go. That's a great sermon. And we all ought to be preaching it every single day. Guys, we desperately need each other. When we isolate ourselves, the pastor gets a phone call like I got last night. And I have to, I have to tell you, I, I have never been hit so hard by anything. I'm just being as transparent with you as I can be. And you know what God showed me as I was driving over here? He said, Dave, if you feel that way, how do you think I feel? I thought, yes, Lord. You love those people a great deal. I love them infinitely more. You pray for them once or twice a week. I pray for them without ceasing. Dave, you're willing to serve them. I lay down my life for them. Guys, we ought to be in love with the Lord and that love ought to be poured out on each other. And our hearts ought to break when we see a brother or sister struggling. And we ought to love them enough to reach out and not worry about being embarrassed or making a mistake. Guys, there's no redo on this life. No no do-overs. I think one of the reasons it hit me so hard is I've seen seen people walk away from God. I've, I've seen things happen, but this is so final. Seeing them take his lifeless body and put it in that bag just did a number on me. And it did because I pray for, I've been praying for this guy for years. I've counseled with him many times. It hurts. But you know what? It hurts our Savior more. And we need to have the mind which was in Christ Jesus. That same heart. Verse 20, verse 19, And they were all one member. Where would their body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Guys, we are one church. We, I'm going to say this a hundred times probably today. We need each other. God's designed it that way. We first and foremost need Him above all else. But we also need each other. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Can you imagine if you had body mem- if you if members of your own physical body were fighting with each other? Have you ever thought about that? If your hand like hated your face and was just wailing on it all the time, can you imagine? Your foot just decided to go into just a dip. I'm just going over here. I don't care what everybody else is doing. And, you know, I mean, and we look at that and we laugh because it's hysterical because it would never work. But yet that's what the body of Christ does. We're fighting with each other instead of reaching out to the world around us that so desperately needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. Guys, I'm so tired of seeing Christians who look like they've been sucking on lemons. Amen. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. Amen? Amen? That doesn't mean we don't have times when we grieve like I am today. But know this, our joy doesn't go away. He's a faithful God. Where else am I going to go? Who else has the words of eternal life? Who else can comfort me in a time like this but the one who suffered and died that I might have eternal life? The one who adopted me into his family. The one who calls me son. The one who knows me best and loves me most. That's the God I serve. Lord, help us to not be ashamed. To to not hide our light under a bushel. Guys, we cannot survive on our own. We cannot be fruitful if we are out there on our own. Verse 22. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. As I've said repeatedly, we don't realize how necessary until they hurt. Again, your tooth starts hurting. You, don't, you haven't thought about your tooth in five years. It starts hurting all you think about. The same is true. Those things we see as being unnecessary, which we seem to be weaker in our eyes, they're not out in the front. They're not in the forefront. They're not in the limelight. They're needed. Why? Because God says so. It affects the whole body. And we desperately need each other. Even those things that are not seen by the world. Verse 23. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. You know, guys, we cover up the parts of the body we consider less honorable. We do. We give them honor by giving them clothing and and making them look nice. We don't even realize it. But we cover up the parts that we think are less honorable. We make sure our hair and our, you know, right? Paint the barn, right? All that whole thing, right? Make sure we look good. If you don't know what that means... Someone asked Pastor Chuck, Pastor Chuck said, when wear makeup, and he said, if the barn needs painting, paint it, right? Verse 24. That wasn't a slam, it's just a fact. Verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Here's the point. You can live without a hand or a foot, but you can't live without your heart. But nobody sees your heart. Nobody sees your lungs. Nobody sees your liver. But those are the parts that are necessary for you to function and live, but they're the parts that nobody else sees. The body of Christ cannot function and have revival apart from prayer. But nobody sees it necessarily. Amen? But we need to be busy about it. We need to be praying without ceasing. For this is the will of God. These hidden parts that seem weak and less important than what's in the spotlight are absolutely necessary. God has given greater honor to that which is unseen. And I believe, like I said earlier, when we get to heaven, I don't believe it will be Billy Graham or Chuck Smith at the front of the line. I believe it will probably be somebody we've never heard of who spent 12 hours a day praying for the kids in the neighborhood and doing the four- and five-year-old class. And nobody even remembers her name. Why? Because she just faithfully served God and didn't care about what people thought. Our pride wants to be recognized. The Bible tells us if you're recognized on earth, you've lost your heavenly reward. Right? So everybody claps for you. Oh, well, there it went. (laughs) It's better to serve in anonymity. Be the man who visits the elderly and feeds the hungry and disciples young men with no father. 
What is done for the Lord in secret, he will reward openly. I told you this many times. Mrs. Green at the First Baptist Church of Wilmington led me to the Lord when I was four and a half years old. And Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz is fruit of that woman's ministry along with no doubt hundreds of other young people who got saved in that class. And, no, and very few people remember her name. I do because she led me to the Lord. She's faithful. God's looking Not for ability, but availability. Someone to simply be faithful and to realize that God is the one who put the body together. And He is the one who will bring honor to those who are faithful. Verse 25. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. No schism. The word schism means split or gap in the body. The body should not be divided, giving more honor to one part of the body than the other. Be careful don't do that don't give more honor to the to the elder than you do to anyone treat everyone with love and respect and honor that's what the lord has called us to do and there should not be division within the body of christ you know the pride of the honored must stay in check And so the shame of the unnoticed must too. We should not be ashamed because no one notices us, and we we should not be prideful if anyone ever does. We should minister to each other instead of complaining about each other. Amen? Amen? We should be ministering to each other instead of complaining about each other. God's heart is that you and I are one in Christ and ought to be reflected in the way we treat each other. Verse 26, And if one member suffers... All the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. The Bible says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. When I was in sales, it was the exact opposite. It was weep with those who rejoice and rejoice with those who weep. Because they had sales quotas and depending on how well you did, it would impact how much money other people made. So if you did really bad, it made them look good. So they got excited when you did bad. Oh, really? You had to take two full pages out of the book? Oh, that's too bad. You know, that kind of attitude. And if you went out and sold a ton, they go, oh, congratulations. Hate that guy. You know, that kind of mentality. And in the body of Christ, we can get that way too. We can get envious of other people's ministries. We can get envious. Why is that guy's ministry fruitful? Mine's not as fruitful. Who cares? If it's fruitful, praise God because it's fruitful. Instead of trying to build up your name and make sure people notice you, make sure they notice Jesus. Make sure they walk out of here more in love with Him. Hopefully they forget all of our names. And just remember His. Amen? Amen. Remember His name. Remember who He is. Remember what He has done for us. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Guys, we ought to be walking in such tight-knit fellowship that when one person suffers, we all know it. That's probably what hurt me the most about this situation last night. Is this brother was at the point of killing himself, and I had no idea. And that, that hurt. And then going home and hearing that phone message just put me under the table. And again, I know I didn't do it. And you can start to say, why? Lord, why? Why didn't I get the phone call? Why didn't he call the office? I was at the office. I'll tell you one thing that has happened. I've been, I've been resisting it, and it's happening on Tuesday. I'm getting a cell phone, and now all those messages are going to be forwarded right to me, so that never happens again. So if nothing else has given me a greater burden to be more accessible. But guys, it's not about me. We need to be accessible to each other. You shouldn't have to call Pastor Dave. You should be able to call each other. You should be able to call anyone in the directory and have someone who can minister to you, pray with you, and encourage you. Amen? That's what needs to be happening, and that will happen if we will get out of our box and quit being so timid and step out and start loving each other in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord has called us to do, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a couple minutes. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So we are the body as a whole, and we are individual members. We serve not only ourselves, but the whole body. You know what? Your feet, when the feet run, the heart gets strengthened. When one person serves, the rest of the body is ministered to. 
The heart supplies blood to the entire body. Sometimes there's a part of the body that lives only to serve itself. It contributes nothing to the rest of the body. And everything it gets, it uses to feed and grow itself. You know what they call that? Cancer. Serves only itself, feeds only itself, feeds off everyone else to grow itself. And it's called cancer. And in the end, it will destroy the body. That should not be the body of Christ. If you've been saved one week, God can use you. One hour. told you the story of my good friend Matt Valencia, pastor of Calvary Chapel Gilroy. He's up at high school camp. He gets saved. He notices his best friend is not with him. He's back in the cabin napping. He runs back to the cabin, shares his faith with his friend. His friend gets saved. He's been saved 15 minutes. He's already led someone to Christ. Sadly, there's people who have been saved 15 years have never shared their faith once. That should not be so. Amen? That was kind of weak, actually. Amen? Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Somebody's awake. That's good. As one body, we share each other's burdens. We share each other's joys. Our burdens, because they're held together, are lessened, and our joys are multiplied. That's what happens when we function in the body of Christ. You know what? It's truly a joy for me to dedicate a baby. I'm, I'm very excited that Hank and Donald Lynn have a precious baby girl. I truly am excited. I'm blessed. I can't tell you how blessed I am. I'm blessed when I see God blessing you. I feel like I'm a part of it because we are a family. You know, last night when they were taking this man out, all I could think was, that's my brother. That's who he was, my brother. And that's who we are, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we ought to treat each other like it, amen? We ought to love each other unconditionally. As members of the same body, we not only cooperate one another to function properly, but we compensate for each other in times of crisis. When one hand is broken, the other hand works twice as hard, right? When one hurts, we all hurt. When you hurt, I hurt. When someone is sick, what should we do? Take them meals, go mow their lawn, care for their children, help them out financially. You know what? We have a young widow now who is a part of our church who's going to need a great deal of help. And we, as the body of Christ, should step up and help her beyond belief. The Bible says pure and undefiled religion is to minister to the orphans and the widows. My prayer would be that we would bless her in such a way that God's name would be lifted up. That anybody who knows her, and you know, her whole family is in the Ukraine. She's here all by herself. We should be the ones stepping up to minister to her. The Bible says they shall know us by the love we have one for another. And we should share one another's burdens during times of difficulty and rejoice with each other during times of blessing. The church family should be people you know you can come to during times of difficulty and people you want to come to during times of joy. Amen? Amen. People you want to tell when something great is happening and the people you want to go to when things are tough. That should be the body of Christ. Verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. I'm not going to take a lot of time on these, but let me read them. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Here's the point. Nobody has all the gifts. The point he's making is these are all gifts. These all function within the body of Christ and nobody has them all. And that's why God has called us to minister one to another. He does delineate between the gifts, but don't get arrogant because your gift is higher up on the list. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, the Bible says learn to be what? Servant of all. In the world, you want to be great have many servants. In the kingdom of God, you want to be great, serve many. That's the difference between us and the world, and it should be evident. And again, guys, we're new creations in Christ and ought to reflect in the way we live. People ought to see it and want to know what in the world happened to you. His name is Jesus. That's what happened. I've been born again. If you've been born again and nobody noticed, something's wrong. Amen? I got saved over the summer and went back to work. I've been back for six months. Not one person's figured it out. That's not good. No undercover Christianity, amen? amen? People are coming out of the closet for everything else under the sun. Let's come out of the closet for Jesus Christ, amen? amen. 
Not be ashamed of him. Last verse. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into the love chapter. He says, desire the more excellent gift. You know what the most excellent gift is? Love. Love, love, love. We have a six-word philosophy of ministry here at Calvary Chapel that I've had since I was a youth pastor, and it's this. Preach the word, love the people. My heart is that you would be the best-fed, most-loved people on the planet. That's my heart. And you know what? We should be loving each other that way. And you know what? I want to encourage you. People who visit will email me and say, I've never been to a church where people love each other so much. And I think, praise God. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. But we can always love each other more. Guys, it's love that will transform things. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's, again, we're not to be clanging symbols. We're not to do things without love because without love, it's fruitless. So, in closing... Body of Christ, how a healthy body should function. We're all indwelt by the same Spirit. We've all been divinely brought together by God. We are to use our gifts for the benefit of the whole body. If you're not here, other people are missing out. If I'm not here, you're missing out. It's here that I am fed, I'm encouraged, I'm strengthened in my walk. It's here that I enter into corporate worship. By the way, that's what heaven's going to be like. Amen? Amen. If you don't like worship, you're not going to like heaven. Heaven's going to be way great, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand me, all right? We're all going to love heaven. But you know what? When you get to heaven, you're going to love worship, so you, start, you ought to start loving it now. Right. Amen? Because you're going to love it in heaven. It's here that I'm able to use my gifts to minister to others. Others use their gifts to minister to me. It's here where I am comforted in times of grieving and trials and difficulty. It's here where my family rejoices with me in times of great blessing. Blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit is thicker than blood. My prayer would be, again, that you would come to church, not out of religious duty, not to score brownie points with God, but may you come to be fed, encouraged, strengthened, and challenged to worship, love, give, and use your spiritual gifts that God has given you to minister to everyone else who is here. That is the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to make a few of you feel uncomfortable, and that's not my heart, okay? If you feel uncomfortable, you can stand there and say nothing. But here's what I want us to do before the last worship song. We're going to take the next five or seven minutes, and I want you to get in groups of three or four people, and I want you to pray. And I want you to share at least, if you can't, one prayer request. Will you pray for me about this? You know what I have found? When you pray for people, you love them more. When you pray for people, you know one of the reasons I love you guys so much? I pray for you. And because of that, because I've been praying for this gentleman for so long, it wiped me out to see what happened. It's prayer that brings about that greater love. So I'm going to ask you to do that. If the worship team wants to come on up and get ready when they're ready. But you guys go ahead and get in groups of three or four. And I want you to take a few moments. And I want you to pray with each other. And I want you to share. Just be transparent. We love each other. Amen? Amen. Let's do it.